Well, this is the one thing that I took away from photography school is that I had an instructor that said that every photographer should be a business person, especially if you're a freelance photographer. By nature of it, you're the one that's handling client interfacing. You're the one doing all the invoicing. You're the one doing all the bidding and delivery. So I think that in itself is already like very requires you to be very business minded. But I think to take it to the next step, then. I think every creative should learn like business skills and should treat themselves as a business because that way they can grow even more. Welcome to Wave Social Podcast, powered by Arcade Studios. My name's Mike. I'm here with my co-host Mitzi, and we've curated a show for digital marketers, advertisers, and modern entrepreneurs who want to stop chasing the tide and start making waves online. Each episode, we'll sit down with the tastemakers and strategic minds behind some of the most engaged communities and up-and-coming brands. We'll pull back the curtain on their strategies and experiences to uncover the methodology behind their seismic impact. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome back. Today on the show, we have founder and creative in charge at Rosalie Agency, Karen Rosalie. Karen and Rosalie Agency is an LA-based creative team that produces campaigns and ads for beauty brands, specifically Sephora beauty brands. They've shot campaigns for KKW Beauty, Dr. Dennis Gross, Summer Fridays, Kate Somerville, Kylie Skin, and much, much more. Much more. Yeah, it's crazy the amount of different projects and work that Karen has produced. And then on top of that, her ability to also just put out content for the next generation of photographers, I think is really impressive. But from the top, she talks about getting her start out of school, what brought her to photography in the first place, some of her first big clients, and then of course, transitioning from more of a personal work approach to a branded agency like Rosalie Agency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love what she talks about when she started off her company or kind of working in the photography space. She intentionally decided to brand it as an agency, which kind of brought back some memories for me because when I started my agency, which was called Wave Social, I intentionally branded it as a company because I didn't want to work for myself. And it's just kind of cool to see other people in the digital space kind of do the same. And that's what Karen decided to do with Rosalie Agency. And of course, Karen is synonymous with Rosalie because she's the brains behind it. But I think it's a really strategic move right out the gate. And and a lot of people are going to learn a lot from that. Yeah. I mean, it's not to say that everyone should brand themselves as an agency. No. But I think it's an important strategic thought process to mm-hmm. go through right out of the gate to understand like, where are you wanting to go? What are you trying to accomplish? And what's the best way to get there? Whether it's being a freelancer and just operating under your own name or building a team right yeah. out of the gate. One thing that kind of like stuck out for me too is I just noticed how intentional she is with Mm. everything. So she's intentional about how she built her or started her business. And she's really intentional about how she produces work for her brands. She kind of makes fun of herself a little bit and calls herself type A. But I find like anyone who builds a brand that's making waves online needs to be type A and needs to be intentional about doing it. So I really love that. I also have been following her for a while. She gives out incredible advice on her social media. So if you don't follow her and you're creative and you want to grow and build your own business that's similar to hers, I highly recommend that you follow her. Her handle is Karen.Rosalie and she also mentions it in the podcast as well. 
One thing that we're trying differently this season is that we're not going to be interrupting the episode with ads. Instead, we're going to be supporting the podcast through merchandise. So if you want to get your Wave Social merch, head over to wavesocialpodcast.com and get it out. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. We had a lot of fun with this, honestly. And the nice thing is that we don't have to do ads. So mm-hmm. we're just taking a break from it this season. We're uh, having some fun with a variety of different products that we think you're going to love. But have a look at them on the site. Let us know. Buy some, try them out. And if there's something that you'd love to see on there that's missing or a great idea that you have that you think would fit well with Waves, hit us up, slide into our DMs, let us know. We'll figure it out. We'll get it online. And if you love it, let us know too. And you can tag us at Wave Social. Love it. Yeah, I think this content, this dialogue is really good, not just for actual photographers Mm -hmm. or freelancers, but also for people in the agency space or even on the brand side, because across the board, we have to be creative and we have to always kind of be reinventing how we're bringing our product to market or capturing it and the value that it offers. So no matter what your role is right now in the creative process, there's going to be value here for you. Definitely. Cool. Well, before we get into it, I just want to read a review from one of our listeners. This one is from BSVL10 and it's no BS. Let me tell you. It says, (laughs) this is the real deal. Mike and Mitzi are the perfect hosts. It's all in the questions for me. They know how to bring out the best topics and answers from some of the best minds in the marketing and entrepreneurship space. Killing it. That's what I got to say for this episode is killing it. (laughs) Karen is the best. You're about to meet her. It's going to be fun. Well, Karen, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. I know we've been working a while to try and make this happen and here we are. I'm so glad we were able to make it work. Yes. And you're joining us from Hawaii, which makes us super jealous. (laughs) Have you been spending much time on the beach? What's it been like so far? I actually have not made my way to the beach yet, but I have been having a lot of acai bowls. Yeah, last time we were there, we spent a lot of time eating those. It's a delicacy for sure. Yeah, for sure. But hey, let's get into it. You're a respected photographer and you've accomplished obviously a lot. You work with some of the biggest names in the beauty industry. To start us off, could you just take us back to the beginning and tell us how you got into photography in the first place? So I think my journey into photography has kind of been very diverse. I've done a lot. I've started, like every photographer, I've started with weddings. And then from weddings, I realized I hated doing weddings. And then I went into e-com. And from e-com, I, I realized I love doing the more creative photo shoots, the banners and on the website. And when I first started, it was really the rise of social media and brands were just beginning to advertise their content through social. So I think I, I started photography kind of at the right moment. I started working with influencers. And from there, I really learned how to create digital content and engaging digital content. So from there, four years ago, I started Rosalie Agency. And now we specialize in creating exactly that digital content for brands. That's awesome. Well, congrats on four years. I saw that you recently posted something about that. And I know it's, it's a grind and you've been really transparent about it. One thing that you shared on your Instagram a while back was kind of kicking off a debate about whether you need to go to school to be a photographer. How do you feel about that now? Because I know you did go to school. I did. I actually went to UCLA and I graduated from UCLA. And then it was at my time at UCLA that I I was a fine arts major. And I was like, how can I turn my creative 
art into something that I can pay my bills with. And so I decided that photography and I had a deep interest in photography at the time. I was like, let me go to photography school to learn like the technical skills. But I think that notion was just, it just really depends on what school you go to. So I went to a school that just focused a lot on like the theory of photography. And I only had one class that was applicable to like actually using a camera. So for me, it was between the choice of like paying another 10,000 for school versus like going out and actually just learning how to use a camera. So my advice still, I think is just, it just depends on what school you go to. Because in school, I learned a lot about like the business of photography. I learned like how to meet deadlines. And I do think that there's value in that. But in terms of actually using a camera, then I think the more you practice, the better you'll get. And with photography especially, is something that just like takes time. For sure. So just to kind of double down on the school thing, mm-hmm. you mentioned you were studying fine art originally. Mm-hmm. Were mm-hmm. you studying fine art with photography in mind as the outcome afterwards? Or was it while you were studying fine art that, and you started to think, like you said, about how to make money doing producing art? Was it at that point that photography was kind of the thing that bubbled to the surface? Or how did you get there? I mean, I've always loved photography with fine arts. I actually had a bunch of studio classes where I did a painting, photography, ceramics, and all that. And I think I I gravitated more towards the photography studio classes. And then it was actually through, I was like surfing the web one day and I discovered this wedding blog. And I thought to myself, I could do this. Like I could, this is like a applicable like way to use photography in a very practical way. So That's awesome. So you're not just a photographer and content creator, but you're also a business owner with a team. Tell us about that shift. I know it happened over a few years and how your business has grown. Yeah, I think it was just like the natural flow of things. I think my talent is that I'm very, I don't want to say managerial, but I'm very good at like putting things together. So it just happened where a lot of brands need production services. And because I'm like in the LA network, I just knew a lot of people that I could bring on to my team. So um, people that I ended up trusting to hire over and over again to create content. So I think it just like happened in like a very happy way. Nice. And so you started obviously like shooting for yourself and then bringing on more people. Mm-hmm. And that kind of evolved for you to be a business owner. Do you think that every photographer can be both a creative and a business owner? Or is there a special like secret skill that you think some creatives and photographers need in order to kind of get into that business owner mentality? Well, this is the one thing that I took away from photography school is that I had an instructor that said that every photographer should be a business person, especially if you're a freelance photographer. By nature of it, you're the one that's handling client interfacing. You're the one doing all the invoicing. You're the one doing all the bidding and delivery. So I think that in itself is already like very requires you to be very business minded. But I think to take it to the next step, then I think every creative should learn like business skills and should treat themselves as a business because that way they can grow even more. That's really wise advice. You mentioned that it was a bit of a transition going Mm -hmm. from just being you to having a team, but there must've been some sort of jumping off point, like even just going from being you as Karen to being Rosalie Studios and like launching that as a brand or even just who your first hire was beyond just Mm -hmm. leveraging your network in LA for production services, but who your first actual team member was. Can you get a little more granular with us for our our listeners just to 
maybe experience a little bit of what that process looked like for you? Yeah, of course. So right from the get-go, when I started Rosalie Agency, my friend who also had a production company told me that I needed to start an LLC. And I think that was kind of the first seed of planting where I really had to think to myself, like, I'm no longer like Karen Rosalie, but that I am like an LLC and like I'm a company and all of that entails like hiring people and having a team. So I think the first jumping off point was my first client, really. I started working with a lingerie company and they needed me to produce a shoot. We needed a makeup artist. We needed an assistant and a model. And I just had to figure it out, like who... I could hire and like reach out to people and then bring them on for this project. It just happened in that way. And I made a lot of connections that have carried over in the past four years. The first videographer that I ever hired, he still works with me to this day and we've grown together. So that's been really exciting. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. I feel like at least for me too, when I started my business, you're at like this crossroads of like, do I go by my own name or do I create a brand? But I, I think I'm with you that it's like important to like think of your long term of what you want to be and and kicking off a brand, even though it is just you. Sometimes I felt kind of silly, like being like, this is my company at the time it was called Wave Social, which is now the name of this podcast. But I felt kind of like almost embarrassed to say that when it was just like me and maybe one other p- person. Did you ever feel that kind of like, like almost imposter syndrome yeah. a little bit. Yeah, you know, I get that question a lot. And I think I probably have been living with imposter syndrome for so long that I just don't even notice it anymore at this point. My biggest thing is that you just have to fake it until you make it. So you just have to push through, even if you feel like maybe you're not qualified for the job or you don't have enough experience or why me? At the end of the day, you got hired. So you just have to do your best. I think that's great. So you said, why me? Could you articulate that for yourself a little bit? Like when you ask yourself that question, what's the answer? Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Put you on the spot. (laughs) I'm tempted to say because I'm Rosalie, but I think, yeah, but I think, I mean, after four years, we've established ourselves as somewhat of mild experts in creating content that is fast and engaging. So yeah, all of the above. Awesome. Love that. You mentioned uh, <laughs> that lingerie client that was kind of your first client. Would you say that was your first big client? Or when you think of your first big client, is there a different name that comes to mind? That was definitely... It's hard for me to answer this because I feel like with every new client, I always think, oh my God, it's my new big client. Right. But yeah, that lingerie client was definitely the first client that I had where number one, it pushed me to grow my team beyond just myself because they needed more people. And then also it was just like a bigger scope of work than I was ever used to. So yeah, I I think I would stick with that answer. Nice. I know some of our listeners are creatives and photographers and they probably dream of having some of the clients that you have. What advice would you give them for kind of landing their big Sephora-like client of their own? Yeah, I get asked this question a lot. And I think that there's no easy way to get your dream client. To be honest with you, when I first started, I had a list of clients that I wanted to work with. And it wasn't like I reached out and they answered. It was a very kind of, instead of a straight path, it was just a lot of bends and curves in in this journey. So I would say definitely the biggest thing that I've seen that has worked for me is 
just constantly be shooting and networking because you just never know how many degrees away you are from your dream client. So I shared this the other day on my social is that photography gives you back as much as you put in. So you need to be shooting every day because clients just don't fall into your lap. You really just have to put in the grind and show that you're ready for the work. Totally. I imagine like based off of your activity, like Instagram or social in general is part Mm -hmm. of that networking that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. How much of a role does it play specifically Instagram versus the other ways that you're constantly networking within the industry? Yeah. And I think because of my background, I'm always like social first. I definitely believe in like marketing yourself on social media. So whether you're doing a shoot or you're just taking meetings, like even doing the action of like posting on social can help market yourself as a busy individual that's working. And a hundred percent of my clients find me through Instagram or referrals, but I think I don't do any marketing and I don't do any cold calls. I did try that in the beginning and it didn't really work for me. So yeah, I would definitely a hundred percent recommending doing it via social and marketing yourself on social. What was the moment where you first saw the potential of Instagram for getting new clients? That first lingerie client that you got, was that through Instagram or? Yes, actually. Um, So how they found me was because in the beginning, I was shooting with a lot of influencers. So my digital footprint was already kind of like all over the place on social um, within that network. So the lingerie company they internally had asked an intern to put together a list of LA photographers. And she must have found me through following one of her bloggers or whatever. And I was on that list. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. I heard that you don't answer inquiries via DM. Can you tell us why? Um, I get a lot of messages. So it's just it's just a logistical thing. It's hard for me to keep track of what I've answered and haven't answered if they're in two different places. So I just prefer everything be is done through email. Yeah, I totally get that. I feel like yeah. people slide into DMs with just like just like a random like off the top of their head question. That's often, at least in my experience, not really thought out. And that's a generalization because I'm sure there's people listening saying that like I always reach out via DMs and sometimes it works out. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I prefer email too. Yeah. And it's not to say like, I've had like legit clients reach out to me via Instagram, but maybe they're just like on the spot, like, Ooh, I need to work with her. But I just always do like send them my email and have them <laughs> reach out to me again via email. So you have a niche in beauty. Is that something that you see yourself sticking to in the future? Or what is like the future, like a evolution of Rosalie agency look like? That is a really good question. I ask myself that every day. I mean, we have a niche in beauty for sure. I definitely see us growing more in that. I want to do more ads and campaigns and work with even bigger brands. We currently have a few photos in Sephora, but you know, it would be great if we could have more photos in Sephora. So I think it would just be growing in that way. That's awesome. If you could pick another niche, what would it be? I don't know if I would pick another niche. I love beauty. I think something that's very close to beauty would be makeup. So I would love to like branch out and do more makeup because I feel like they're very similar. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What is it that you like about shooting specifically like for beauty and makeup? I mean, compared to like a fashion shoot, I am assuming that it's a bit of a difference in terms of production level or like size of teams or process of fittings and all that. Is there something 
specific that you like about shooting beauty and makeup specifically? I actually would say that the production level is kind of the same. Even though we specialize in beauty, we actually do take on jobs that are more lifestyle. We've done shoots for like a remote control for like a fashion lookbooks and for bags and it's all the same and I use the same team for everything. I just think it's what I'm drawn to with beauty is this is just like the perfectionist in me, but with beauty you have to be a deep perfectionist where even if a hair is out of place, you have to fix it in camera. Mm. So I think I just like, I love the the perfectionist outcome of it where it's just very uh, gratifying to me. I can't explain it. No, that's a good answer. We do a lot of work with clients and we've been doing it for five years now too. And I feel like some things pop out and some things just blend together over time. The type of work that you do or the projects you find yourself on Is that the case for you? Or if you were to look back at all of the shoots that you've done in your career, are there some that kind of jumped to the surface as like, man, that was such an experience or that one was my favorite? Yeah, actually, a lot of times now when we work with beauty brands, they come to us with a specific vision and deliverables in mind. So that actually takes a a little bit of the creativity out of it. I had a brand last year that just completely handed over the creative all to us and let us source models, the team, and just drive the creative direction. That to date is still one of my favorite skincare shoots just because there was a lot of room for impromptu like creativity. It was super fun. The light was amazing at the location that we had rented. So I look back at those photos and I'm still like, oh my God, that was such a beautiful shoot. That's awesome. Can you tell us who the brand was? Yeah, it's for uh, Nuria, N-U-R-I-A. They had a pop-up in New York, but they're a clean beauty brand. Cool. Yeah, we'll have to look that up. Yeah. How do you balance inserting your own creative style and client preferences into your commercial work? I imagine as a creative, you obviously have creative opinions. And like you mentioned, there's sometimes where you have like full creative control and sometimes where where you might not. Like how do you balance those two things? So with every shoot, I try to be creative and I think we're able to work with brands in different capacities where some are a little bit more hands-on and some are more hands-off. So either way, like we're comfortable working depending on what the client needs. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, that no, was that's like kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I totally get it. You want to be sensitive and not make anyone feel like you're not being creative. Yeah. I totally get it. And Mitzi was just staring at me because it looked like I was about to ask a question, but it, I was still percolating on it. So that's that's more the awkward silence. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I do want to kind of like double down on that a little bit. And just you mentioned earlier that you feel like photographers should be always shooting, you know, like shooting every day. Early to get your work out there and to get noticed. But I, I'm assuming part of it is also to just kind of like keep that creativity flowing and keep your like kind of developing that discipline of new ideas and new perspectives. So with that in mind, and also just like balancing, like we just talked about your own creative style against client goals and preferences. Do you feel like you always kind of have a list of like big ideas that you're just ready to pull from when you get full creative freedom? Or is it more like a situation by situation when you do get the opportunity, you're just going to come up with something completely new based on that opportunity? Or what's your kind of default setting in that sense? Yeah, I feel like social is like my life. I don't know if it's just because I'm a millennial or something like that, but I'm always on social. So I'll just be scrolling. And then if I see something really cool, I'll save it. 
and just pencil it for like, oh, this will be cool to either do as a test shoot or with brands like later on. But I think I'm just always like penciling ideas and then just like by default for fun. Nice. Yeah, I feel like I have like folders of so many saved pins and sometimes I'm like, where's that saved pin that I had or like saved um, Instagram posts that I had and I had to like go way deep. It's like all memes and creative ideas. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. right? (laughs) Totally. I feel like I have ideas all the time as well, but it's hard to know like, do I want to hold this for a client or do I want to use this for myself or like, (laughs) where does this go in terms of priority? But Totally. Yeah. And you know, the thing about that is that especially with being creative and whatever art form you choose, like there can always be so many iterations of the same idea, you Mm. know, like even with skincare, like shooting in the same lighting, depending on like the model or like the team, it will look different. So that's a great point. That's awesome. Okay. I want to pull back the curtain a little bit and go into some of the behind the scenes of shooting for maybe like a a bigger set or a bigger brand that you're working with. Could you tell us like what kind of team you would need for something that was like a bit larger scale? Like how many models are you looking at? What does the set look like? What does it feel like? And any challenges that you kind of have to overcome in order to accomplish a set with lots of moving parts and people? Mm -hmm. So I think that to answer that question, we need to kind of go like further, like at the beginning from when the client reaches out. And so that is like the onboarding process. So that process, like that initial contact is super important to me because that's when I can really gauge what they're looking for, how many images, what the deliverables look like. And then from there, I can produce a bid detailing out the entire team and what we would need to produce that vision. So let's say a brand wants to do like a lifestyle shoot with like four models, then to shoot four models, I think I would need like a full day and then maybe two makeup artists, maybe one hairstylist and like depending on how tight we're going with the shots, then I need a fashion stylist as well. And if they want video, then I need to bring on my videographer, things like that. So definitely depending on what the client wants in the beginning, it's important to just like have those terms set. And then as far as run of show and like how the day goes, I found that this is why like having my own studio is super important because I can have everything set the day before. I like to be super prepared. And anyone who's like on set with me will tell you that I'm actually like very strict when it comes to time. And I have like a breakdown and a shot list that I always refer to to make sure that my team is on track. Nice. And so for some of those sets where you have lots of people and a really strict schedule, are you usually behind the lens or do you do you like to kind of sit in a creative director chair to kind of like manage, like you said earlier, and kind of direct the parts? Or is it still like, do you still prefer to be the person behind the camera? Mm-hmm. That is definitely something I'm working on. It's really <laughs> hard for me to kind of like let go of the shooting process just because I'm so deeply immersed in it. But I do love directing. Like that's like one of my goals for 2021, I think, is to step back a little bit and just handle the production part and the directing part. At the moment, I'm still doing the shooting. But when it comes to video, my videographer is the one that does the shooting and I'm the one that just like directs and make sure he stays on track. Cool. Love that. Mm -hmm. I want to switch gears back to kind of the business side. So what's the biggest challenge that you faced as a business owner and how did you overcome that? So I think the biggest thing for me, especially for 2020, is workload. So we've actually had an influx of business this year. 
which is really awesome. But it got to a point where I needed to hire. And I think you reach a point in every business where you have to scale, right? So I think I'm going through like growing pains right now of like hiring out and just finding people that I can trust to do the retouching and the shooting and all of that. Yeah. I think like lots of creatives or business people in the creative industry would say that there's like high peaks and, and low valleys in the process of your business and your brand growing and kind of establishing your career. Would you say that you've ever been close to wanting to just throw in the towel or shift to a different career altogether? Or have you always kind of stayed the course and been pretty confident in that decision? I think early on, I definitely thought about quitting every day, but it was more so like, I just didn't know what else I could do. I just like, at the moment, I felt like photography was the only thing I could do. And I felt like that was my path. So I had to stick to it, even if in the beginning, I wasn't getting clients or people were telling me that my work wasn't very good. It was definitely tough, but I don't think I've ever really felt like I'm going to do something else because I didn't know what else I could do. I like that answer. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You share a lot of tips, not just about photography, but also like business tips, how to get noticed on your personal Instagram. And the amount of content that you're pushing out is so valuable and it's it's a lot in terms of volume. Why are you investing so much time and effort to kind of support the next generation of photographers or photographers who are trying to kind of embody your career? I think the first thing is because it's fun for me to engage with this community of photographers that are just start starting out and need help. And it reminds me of when I first started out and there was really not someone that I could go to or not really any resources on the internet yet for how to shoot or how to get clients. So I think it's just part of me is I I want to give back and support the next generation and provide resource materials that I didn't have in the beginning. On that note, do you feel like you're kind of putting this content out into the universe and like trusting that it's making a difference for people or do you have like some like closer relationships with younger photographers that are consuming some of your content or instruction that you're like watching them develop over time? Yeah, I think in the beginning I did a meetup and I was able to meet a few photographers in New York and we've stayed in touch and follow each other on Instagram and it's been crazy to see how they've grown and some of them have actually pursued photography as a career. So that is like super rewarding for me. That's awesome. Would you do more of that? If you could. If I had the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Love that. Definitely a limited resource. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of touched on a bit of the growth that you've been seeing recently, but how has COVID impacted your work and what are the things that you're juggling with now and in the aftermath, or I guess we're still in lockdown, but how is that impacting sets and shoots and things that you kind of had on the go? We definitely can't shoot with big teams as much as we did before. So I actually had to downsize my studio. I used to have a thousand square feet studio in downtown. And after COVID, it just didn't make sense anymore to have such a huge space and no one was coming to shoot. They were just sending me product and the teams had gone from like 12 to 15 to now four to five. So we had to downsize our studio to a smaller space. But other than that, we've actually, like I said earlier, we've actually had an influx of jobs just because we are basically contactless. So a lot of our clients are either from out of state and they would just mail us product to shoot. So 
that's been very nice to just have. And I'm so like appreciative of our clients for supporting us. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we've been talking internally too about how important, more important, great content in photography is now because we're spending so much time online. Is that maybe part of why you think you've seen an influx in work just because people are really paying attention to what they're posting on social media and what their websites look like that they recognize that they need to have really great imagery? Yeah. When we first started, brands had just started their social and they didn't really know how to market on social, but now I think it's just become the norm to always have a social aspect when they're doing a new launch. So that's been really interesting to see the growth of. And also because we are a full production agency, it's just easy for clients to come to us and say, we we need this, this, and this, and then we just get it done for them. Yeah. You've talked about how like social is such a big part of what you do. And obviously a lot of the photography you shoot ends up on brand social media, but then a big focus of yours as well is obviously like advertisements and website banners and things like that. Mm -hmm. But you do have a videographer. So do you ever end up shooting content on set while you're shooting like a website banner or more of like a ad campaign, maybe even with your videographer that ends up being like TikTok content or something that's more of that like social content nature? If we had the time, then probably. When we're doing campaigns, I always try to get at least a BTS just to post on social. But nowadays, actually, we just did our first like TikTok shoot on the iPhone. So I definitely see it was just like, I never knew this day would come, but it actually finally (laughs) has. So I definitely think that in the future, we're just going to be shooting on our iPhones. Wow. That's crazy. Was it fun? Like, what was it like compared to the big shoots that you're accustomed to? It was still a bit of a production because we had to like set everything up. Right. But in terms of post-production, it was super easy. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I saw that you got married during COVID. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) I can imagine the emotional struggle that you and so many other 2020 brides have gone through as they balance the unknowns of what's okay and what's not okay in terms of a wedding. I saw that you eloped. Like what led you to elope with your husband? Well, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm very type A. So I had a schedule to get married this year in 2020. And I was like, one way or another, we're going to do it, pandemic or not. So it was actually, it ended up being perfect. We were in Santa Barbara and in LA County, they weren't really doing in-person ceremonies, but in Santa Barbara, they were. So we rented a hotel in Santa Barbara and just had a little like staycation. And it was super nice. It was definitely very 2020 though, because there was like a plastic tarp between us and like the officiant and it was just like very, yeah, it was like a big bottle of hand sanitizer right in front of us. So. Oh man. Did you like yeah. Zoom in your like family and friends that weren't able to be with you physically? Yeah. The rules is that you can only have one witness and nobody else. So our parents had came, but they were hiding behind bushes. And oh. and then we had our one witness do an Instagram live oh, nice. to just broadcast to like our friends and they could watch it. Totally. Oh, man. Well, congrats to you both. Like I know that's overcoming something right out the gate is probably something you, you'll have to do often. So congrats. Thank you. And I just also want to touch upon, like, give a little shout out to my husband because he was with me since the beginning when I started Rosalie. And 
a lot of questions that I had or a lot of uncertainties. He was there to support me and just say, just go for it or maybe charge higher and like just things like that to like support me as I like started my business. So very thankful. Having people in your corner like that is absolutely, or especially like you said, those early days Mm -hmm. for sure. Definitely. I also want to ask you about your art studio. So your painting, which is baffles my mind that you're so good at photography and the tangible like art stuff. And those are definitely skills that I don't have at all. So I'm very jealous as well. What kind of goals do you have for your painting and the art side of things? Yeah. So I think this painting studio has always been on the back of my mind and I just didn't have the time or maybe just felt like I never like was right time to start it. And once the pandemic hit, we had like one month where I think our clients were trying to resituate themselves within this pandemic. And so we had a bit of a lag in that one month where I wasn't really taking as many jobs. So I had the time to start it. And I think the model of 2020 is like, if not now, then when, right? So that's been really fun. I hope that I would be able to do more paintings and like sell to clients and just diversify like my talents. <laughs> Speaking of diversifying, given that you've got so much experience in beauty, would you ever consider starting a beauty brand of your own? Yeah, I definitely looked into it. I was thinking because of all my clients and they have tangible products that they sell and I'm on the end where I receive the prototypes or like the first round of products and then photograph them for them to market. I'm very interested in that process of just having a tangible good, especially since I'm in the digital good side. So I think this painting studio is also a way for me to kind of explore that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. Wow. Yeah. Can't wait till you start one, Rosalie. Yeah, we'll be watching. <laughs> okay. So we're nearing the end of our interview and we always like to ask our guests, what brands or individuals do you think are making waves online right now? I definitely would have to say Mariana Hewitt. She is an influencer that I started shooting with very early on and she started Summer Fridays actually two years ago now, but it's crazy to see how Summer Fridays is just really upsetting the beauty space in terms of the content that they push out and just the Instagrammable first like products. So definitely that's a brand and a person to watch. Nice. I'm a big fan of Summer Fridays. Yeah, Yeah, we've got some of their products in our bathroom right now. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's also insane because I have a photo with them in Sephora and I just went to the Sephora in Hawaii here and it's literally the first thing that you see like when you walk wow. into those stores. So that I'm is just so like, cool. having kind of like a like a mind blown moment. That's yeah, awesome. That's such a cool yeah. feeling. So last thing you've alluded to or talked about already the, the projects that you're working on and all the exciting things you've got going on with clients. But where can listeners connect with you? Social media, Instagram. I'm posting every day usually. So you can find me at Karen.rosley. Perfect. Love it. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Karen. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And we can't wait to keep watching and following what you do next. Thank you, guys. This was super fun. This episode of Wave Social Podcast is powered by Arcade Studios. Show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found at wavesocialpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you've got questions, comments, or suggestions for future shows, hit us up at wavesocial on Instagram. Thanks for joining us.